Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You all can be seated. Praise God, praise God, praise the Lord. Can we ever say enough good things about him? Our language is bankrupt when it comes to talking about the goodness of God. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. A couple of you did. <laughs> we, uh, our, our grandson and his wife was going to come over for dinner, but they got sick as a dog. Our other grandson came over for about an hour just to stop by, say hello before he went to his in-laws for dinner. Um, but you know, it's not about that. Although, I mean... Personally, I love to be around my family. Uh, I just enjoy a table full of my family and just listening to them yakking all night long. You know, and uh, yeah, some of the languages, you know, we're into the generation now, the way you don't know everything that they're saying. But, um, but I just enjoy having them around, and I always am grateful when they are around. But you know, it's not always only about that. You know, we're thankful to God for all that he is, all that he does. You know, for his promises, for his redemption, all that he's provided for us in Christ and in the bringing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Are you ready for the word today? We got some word for you today. I'm going to start in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. You must have known where I was going. He says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. You know, I think that's the Christian's favorite verse because it spells out free. It's amazing how many Christians just love the word free, even though it's a four-letter word. But they think, you know, free has got to be God. But yet, I used to sin pretty free. There wasn't anything about God in that. Anyway, verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and Lord, I just look to you and to your Holy Spirit to put in my mouth the things that need to be said, which you know you and people need to hear, that you can touch their heart, touch their lives. Lord Jesus, you are head of the church, and you are walking through our midst right now. And we look to you. We know that you are looking, scrutinizing, searching out. And we just look to you, Lord, to touch your people, and to bring revelation and impartation into their hearts. Lord, that will not live tomorrow like we do today. But increase will take place in our lives. Increase spiritually. Increase soulishly. Increase physically. Increase financially. Increase socially. Increase in every aspect of our life. And we continue to grow more and more and more. Conforming to the image of Jesus and developing further in your divine nature. Father, I thank you. 
I bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we know in Isaiah 55, there's a lot of theological significance here. Coming to the waters and drink. You know, Jesus said, he who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So we understand the theological significance of it, but we're not getting into that today. I want to look at it in practical living. You know, if the word of God does not affect our practical living, we might as well just sit down and just wait for someday when we get to go to heaven and then we can live in it. But you can live in it today. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Now, if I could go buy and eat, get milk and everything, get everything I need, and it didn't cost me anything, would I have an abundance? I mean, you wouldn't have to spend your money. So wouldn't you have an abundance? You would have all your money left because you wouldn't have to spend it on anything, right? Well, that would be good. You know, when I first got saved, I used to hear things about prosperity. And to me, prosperity was having enough money to where I could send every three months $5 into the hospital so that they wouldn't put me into a collection agency. So to me, that was prosperous, an extra $5 every three months. And, um, but then as we continued in the Word of God, we found out that prosperity was not needing to have to go to the doctor. Okay, now that might get real quiet in the room, but you understand this is my own personal revelation. You have yours, I have mine. And my revelation was, don't need to go to the doctor anymore. So therefore, we saved a lot of money by not going to the doctor. And, and then it got to the point after being saved for five years, we canceled all of our health insurance. Now some people think that's crazy. Well, my kids were small at the time, and um, I did stupid things, so you know, insurance could be helpful. But we canceled all of our health insurance. So you can imagine how much money then we saved on health insurance. Amen. And I didn't cancel my health insurance because I couldn't afford it. You know, we got to the place to where we were paying health insurance and stuff and we could afford it. But it wasn't because I couldn't afford it. And when we did our taxes at the end of the year, you know, on our 1040 deductibles, the biggest section of tax deductions was medical. Medical, doctors, insurance, all this stuff, prescriptions and everything. Well, afterwards, and we learned about what the Word of God said, our deductions on our medical since 1986 has been zero. But our deductions on, on uh, donations has tripled and quadrupled. Amen. Because you can either give your money to the doctor or you can give it into the kingdom. I mean, you know, either way, you're going to give your money away. You might as well choose where you want to put it. So I'm not telling you to cancel your insurance. I'm not telling you you don't go to the doctor. I'm not telling you any of that. So don't go home and say, well, the pastor's dead. No, I didn't say that. And I'll make you sit down and listen to the teaching again. I did not say cancel your insurance. I did not say don't go to the doctor. I'm talking about me. Okay. And again, it's not about whether it can afford it or not afford it. You know, well, I got to have insurance because what if this happens? Well, what if that don't happen? But again, that's just me. It's the way that I am, my personal revelation. And you might say, well, I don't have that revelation. Well, I didn't have it either when I got saved. I didn't have it when I got saved. I didn't have it a year after being saved. I didn't have it two years after being saved. 
But you know what I did all along? I stayed in the Word of God. I stayed in the Word. I would read books like Christ the Healer. I would read books like God's Medicine. I would read books like God's Creative Power for Healing. I would read anything that had to do with healing and wholeness and wellness and read it. Read it and read it and read it. Well, how much did, well, I've read those books. Well, apparently you may not have read them enough. You know how, you know how much I read them? I read them until I didn't know how to say anything other than what the book said. I didn't know how to say anything except that when sickness comes along, I said, he sent his word and healed me. When sickness would attack my body, he bore my sicknesses and my diseases by his stripes. I am healed. And I didn't say, again, this is me personally, I didn't say he sent his word to heal me, so I'm going to go to the doctor and everything will be well. I didn't say that. I just said he sent his word to heal me, and I expected that healing is going to take place because that's what I was ingesting. That's what I was soaking in like a sponge, just what the word of God said. So I didn't have a revelation on this to where I could not go to the doctor or a revelation to where I could cancel my insurance. I didn't have that revelation until I got into the word of God. And that's all that I did was give myself to the word of God and meditated and meditated and meditated until the day came. And the Holy Spirit spoke up in my heart about going to the doctor and about my insurance. And you do it by faith. You don't do it by foolishness and presumption. Presumption would be, or foolishness would be, well, I'm just going to cancel my insurance because I don't want to pay for that anymore. That's a fool. Because your, 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 your reason for doing it's wrong. See, it's not about what you do. It's about what's in here. My reason for doing it was the Holy Spirit said. Well, the Holy Spirit hasn't said that to me. Well, how much have you ingested what the Word of God has said in this area? That's what it's all about. You know, you can't pick up the Word of God, you know, two minutes every morning or five minutes every morning and think the Holy Spirit's just going to direct you because you're going to have to pick that up for five minutes every morning for a whole year before you ever hear anything from the Holy Spirit. If you even hear anything because you got the whole rest of the day, all the other hours during the day where you're concerned and dealing with other stuff and you're not even thinking about that. It's all about what you get in you. What do you get in you? You are what you eat. And I need to start eating less. <laughs> well, not the word. <laughs> So Isaiah 55 is an invitation from Father God to remove ourselves from the world's thinking and to remove ourselves from the world's way of doing things. In fact, that's what the whole word is all about. Come out from among them. Stop living like the world and stop thinking like the world. Stop planning like the world and stop getting wrapped up in the world's way of doing things. And start getting wrapped up in God's way of doing things. Well, how do you get wrapped up in God's way of doing things? First, you have to start thinking like God thinks. And that's what his word is, a revelation of his thoughts. I can break away from the world spiritually, soulishly, naturally, financially. It's an opportunity and an invitation to remove ourselves from basing our lives on a world economic system. 
basing our lives on a world value system. It's an invitation from God to remove poverty out of our thinking because that's the number one place poverty has to be removed from, the way we think. We're so poor in the way we think. Because what is it, verse 9? Is it verse 9? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Do you think God has poverty thinking? So wherever we're not thinking like God, we're in poverty. And we need to come up to his way of thinking. Now, here's what we've done. And, and this is just the way that it is. We've all come out of the world and we were sitting down. And then all of a sudden we get a revelation from God and we go, oh, I'm coming up to that revelation. And we think, oh, I'm really something. I, I'm, I'm, oh, man, I'll tell you what. This is, you, you've just gotten your butt a little bit off the chair. You're not up yet. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, okay. Well, this is, a, oh, things are so much better. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, okay. This is still, you're still hunched. Keep going. See, keep going. Because he withholds no good thing from those that walk uprightly. You got to get up off the chair, get your thinking up to his thinking. Because if we're not thinking like his thinking, our thinking is or stinking. Stinking thinking. You've heard that expression, right? Yeah. So we want to come up, and this is what the invitation is all about, coming up to his way of thinking and his way of doing things. Amen. So one of his thoughts is, you have no money, so come by and eat. Without money and without cost. Yeah, but pastor, that has a spiritual connotation to it. Well, of course it does. Of course it does. But the word of God is spiritual. And the, the word of God being spiritually, spiritual is to affect your life. If the spiritual connotations of God's word does not affect our natural life, why bother with it? Why do you come to church every week? Why do you waste your time? Just go home, sit there, wait till you die, and then when you get to heaven, everything will be good. I mean, if it can't affect your everyday life, and if you don't hear the word to affect your everyday life, you're religious. It is designed to affect your everyday walking around, breathing life. And if it don't, you're lost as a goose in the fog, although you're saved. The word is designed to affect everything in your life, spiritually, soulishly, naturally, financially, socially, everything, thoughts, decisions, what path you walk down. It's designed to bring reward. It's designed to release promise. It's designed to touch your life. The problem is we don't touch his and we don't touch his because we don't think like he thinks. And yet he's given you a Bible, a word, full. You know, I've had people tell me, well, you know, I don't know about that God stuff. I mean, you know, you only got one book. You can't handle one book. Are you kidding me? When you get that one book down, you come back and talk to me about your need for another one. But you say that it's, it's ignorance. And the ignorance is 
that you just read the book and you're done. That's like going to a financial seminar. You sit in there for five hours. Well, I went to the financial seminar. My life hasn't changed. Because sitting in the seminar don't change your life. You got to do something with what you heard. Amen. Are you with me? God gave us his word on this earth because it should affect our life in this earth. Whether I am in this body or whether I am out of this body, I'm a spirit being. I am an eternal spirit being that has two arms, two legs, a torso, a head, a face, a front part, a back part. I am a spirit being. Is that right? So if this word can affect me as a spirit being in heaven, then this word can affect me as a spirit being on the earth and everything that I do. Because no matter whether I'm here, whether I'm there, I'm a spirit being and the word is designed to affect me. And you have to stop thinking of yourself as that blob of flesh. You're a spirit being, eternal. You're not a mist. You're not a force. You are a being that looks exactly. This, this body is just a temple or a shrine that points to the inward man. The inward man is in the same. You know, you go to war. Somebody went to war and lost both legs. That's all right. Spirit still got both. And your glorified body will have all of its parts. Amen. If the word of God can affect me as a spirit being in heaven, then the word can affect me as a spirit being on the earth. Because no matter where I'm at, I'm a spirit being. His ways and thoughts are higher so we can think his thoughts, which will cause us to walk in his ways. Some people say things like, well, you know, I'm in this situation because I was born in such and such a place or in such and such a condition. I was born in the slums of Brooklyn. That's where I was born, okay? Lived there till I was nine years old, and then we moved to Queens. But although we moved out of the slums, we still had slum thinking. We were still poor. We didn't have anything. Are you with me? No, we didn't have anything except they gave me a push lawnmower, and now I had to cut the grass. I hated that. We didn't have any grass in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> so then at 19 years old, I leave New York and join the Air Force. I came home on leave a couple of times, and the last time I came home on leave, the plane came down below the clouds. I looked at New York and said, turn this plane around, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. And that was the last time I went back to New York. I've been delivered, oh, praise the Lord. I moved on. Are you with me? See, excuses of the past to say why we are the way we are today is what keeps you in bondage. Your past has nothing to do with your present nor your future. It is only the past. It's over. It's done. Our thinking is still thinking like when we left the slums of Brooklyn and moved to Queens, we still thought just like in the slums. You got to change the way you think, and you will change the way you live. And every single one of us, through our lives, we've done the best that we could based on the information that we had. 
But when new information and new knowledge comes along, are we going to get it? Or are we going to just lean back? Oh, yeah, you talk about that prosperity stuff, but, you know, we live in the slums. See, that's leaning back, and that's not looking forward. How about you're talking about that prosperity stuff, and that means I can get out of the slums. Are you with me? It's like somebody that's, say, 60 years old, and they come down with cancer, and the doctors tell them that there's a cure for that. And they say, oh, no, there isn't. My daddy had this. His daddy had it also. And it goes back in generations of my family, and there is no cure. But the doctor said, there is a cure. And they say, no, there's no cure. Do you know anybody that wouldn't take the cure? Would you? <laughs> yeah. And that's why when God's word says you don't got to be like your mama, you don't got to be like your daddy, and here's a new thought, and here's a new way, so you can come out of the place you're at and come to the place that he's designed for you, which is a place of abundance. Amen. And many are afraid of stepping out because they're afraid of striking out. And yet Babe Ruth was the biggest strikeout king. But yet he was the home run king. You know why? Because he was never afraid to swing. People get afraid to swing. If you're afraid to swing, you'll never hit the ball. And you will strike out. Because if the pitcher knows you don't want to swing, he'll just throw him right down the center of the plate and strike you out every single time. You don't have to swing to strike out. Amen. I was uh, umpiring a practice Babe Ruth baseball game one day. And uh, it was the last batter that was up. And I'm standing behind the pitcher. And he's throwing the ball. And this guy is just not swinging. I'm thinking, dear Lord, is this guy going to swing or not? I mean, the ball's coming right down in there. I mean, he's throwing it right down there. And I want the kid to swing. So I'm yelling, ball. And they're like, that ain't no ball. That's a strike. I'm like, I'm trying to get him to swing, you know. I said, throw it down the middle. And finally, I had to strike him out. He wouldn't swing. You never have to try to strike out. Just do nothing and you will. Amen. God gives us higher thoughts and higher ways so that we can walk in them and get out from where we're at. But you got to see beyond where you are. Abram lift up your, lifted up his eyes from the place he was at, and he saw north, south, east, and west. And all that he could see would belong to him. Many have a hope and a dream that there's something better, but they don't have a vision that they can perceive or head to. And that's the purpose of God, to give you a vision, to show you things that you can head to. God wants to give every single one of us a vision of things. The whole purpose of the word of God is to not point at where you're at, but to point to where you need to go and where you can go and the possibilities of going there. It's called vision. Amen. A dream or a vision of something that we can see and head to from the place that we're at. And we know that according to Ephesians in the Passion Translation, he can do beyond yeah. your most unbelievable dream and wildest imagination. Isn't that right? Ooh, thank you, Father. Never worry about getting out on the edge. You know, being on the edge is not a problem. People are so, pe people are so afraid of being on the edge. And there's nothing wrong with being on the edge if you're balanced. 
Now, if you don't have balance, you're going to fall. But if you're balanced, you can be on any edge you need to be. Because you're balanced. We can lean over. I'm balanced. I'm not going over. Woo, we're way out there. Yeah, but we're balanced, glory to God. Balance is the whole thing. If you stay balanced with God, it doesn't matter what edge you're on. Because life can get really edgy. But if you're balanced, that's fine. Amen. That's when you really mean hanging out. Hanging over the edge. God can lead us in the exceeding wildest imaginations and most unbelievable dreams that comes alive in our heart. God's plan for you and your life, no matter what situation you're in, is that harvest comes to you. That is God's plan for you. It is never God's plan for anybody to be poor. It's God's plan for every single person to have all their needs met. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. That's beyond need. Well, God just wants, you know, you, just what you need. You know, it's got to be just what you need. It's not more than what you need. Says who? Your religious teachers taught you that, not the word of God. The word of God says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He supplies all my needs, all my business, all my tasks, and all my undertakings. Supplies them all because I'm involved with giving and receiving. Isn't that right? Amen. If my word abides in you and you abide in me, ask what you want, and it shall be done for you. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. This goes way beyond need, folks. It's called harvest. God wants you to live a life of harvest. <clears throat> and God's got a way of making it come to pass. If we just get a hold of his higher thoughts, his higher way of thinking, and his higher way of doing things, we can step into and walk into that realm of harvest. The Bible tells you that as a tither, your vine in the field will not cast its grapes before its time. And that, you know, what is the vine in the field? It's in the field, so you've got to get to it. It's an opportunity to pick. But if the vine casts its grace before time, you don't get to that opportunity to pick. And as a tither, the opportunities are there for you. And you can step into them. Amen? Look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. How do you like all the Christmas decorations? Didn't they do a great job? I thought you might agree with that. The they, they, they always do a good job. The they family, every church needs a they family. Because they always do it. It says, then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed and it shall be food for you. So the harvest that comes in is food. It's there to meet our needs, to take care of us, to share with others and fruit to go around. Isn't that right? I have given you every plant yielding seed. Every plant yielding seed. And every tree that has fruit yielding seed. Who do you got in the garden? Adam and Eve. Do you think there's probably more fruit than what they can eat? 
you think there's probably more seed than they can use. So it's got to be there to share. You ought to have enough fruit in your life that you could share with others. Now, you don't need to start, well, you know, I'm waiting until I get that whole basket full of watermelons before I can share. You can share a piece. If you have one watermelon, you can share a piece. Because the piece can then turn into a half a watermelon, which can then turn into a whole watermelon, which can then turn into a basket of watermelons. You don't have to wait till you have an, oh, I, I just don't have anything to share. Yes, you do, stingy little person you are. Well, the only reason we say that is because we get blinded. It's the enemy that blinds us. And it's like we say, you may not always have what you need, but you are never, never, never without a seed. Never without seed. You always have seed. All you have to do is take it out of the barn and plant it. The farmer that keeps his seed in the barn will never have a harvest. It has to get planted. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If we plant the seed, the seed will produce the fruit. In all of the fruit, there is seed to plant back into the ground. The seed is what produces the fruit. The fruit does not, it, it, it answers the age-old question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, the chicken. The chicken came first. We should know this. Of course, if there's no chickens, where's the eggs come from? Yeah, well, if there's no eggs, where's the chicken come from? Who's going to make the eggs? Denny's? IHOP? I mean, who's going to make the eggs? The chickens make the eggs, and the chickens came first. Who came first, Adam and Eve or Cain and Abel? Look at that. The adults came before the babies came. Well, doesn't that work with chickens? The seed is what produces the fruit. We don't want to eat our seed. It's the planting of the seed that meets our needs. We go to work so that we can have seed. That's why we work. That's why we put our hand to things, so we can have seed. God blesses us with seed. Why do you have Social Security if you're at that age? Why do you have Social Security? Because you worked all your life, right? So now that you have Social Security, you have seed. So seed don't have to stop when you quit working. As long as something's coming to you, you have seed. I'm not talking about the tithe now. I'm over into seed. We're not even talking about the tithe because if there's no tithe, there's nothing else. So we're beyond the tithe. We're talking about seed sowing. If work took care of our needs, you wouldn't always be looking for a raise. Why do you look for a raise? Because it don't meet your needs. Work isn't there to take care of your needs. Work is there to supply you with seed. Of course, your work is not going to take care of your life. Your seed will take care of your life. God does not work on a monetary basis. He works on a seed system. So you got to get loose from the, the world's economic system and get on God's system. His system is a seed system. 
We're never without seed. We may be without the will to let go of our seed, but we're never without seed. The seed is the way of having our needs met. Isn't that right? Yeah. Proverbs 11, I think we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. And there's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. There is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. God's giving us eyes so that we can see some things here. He's showing us things that others don't see, don't know, don't perceive, nor do they understand. I'm having money trouble. What do I need to do? Give. What? How can I give? I'm having money troubles. See, people don't understand it. They don't perceive it. They don't see it. They don't understand the seed system of God. And you try to explain that to people. You know, you go to worldly financial uh, 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 counselors and seminars, and most of them are penny-pinching programs. Count every penny, squeeze every nickel, write it all down on paper and get it all in order. Well, that's fine. But if you want to write down something on pipe, paper, write down the seed you sow. Lay your hands on it. Start believing God for it. Get off the world system and get on God's system. Believe him for the harvest to come in. It's a faith system. Amen? Amen. You know, uh, when my daughter had moved back in town around 1995, she asked me to set up a budget for her. She had gotten a job. She asked me to set up a budget for her. And she said, this is all my bills, and this is what I make. Can you set up some kind of a budget for me to live on? I said, yeah, I could do that. And I set it all up for her and, and laid it all out. And the top of the budget was the tithe. Tithe came off the top. Tithe does not come off the bottom, what you have left over. Because if it comes off the bottom, you'll never have anything left over. It'll eat up everything. The tithe comes right off at the top, and it comes off the gross. It doesn't come off the net. Well, Pastor, if we tithe off of the gross, does that mean that when we get money back on our taxes, we don't have to tithe off of that? You know, you're just not a giver. You're so afraid that you might give God a little more than maybe what you ought to. And with that kind of attitude, you're so sparingly in your giving, no wonder you don't prosper. But I give, I give, I never, I never seem to increase. Of course, your giving is sparingly. Or you could say stinging. God has been so good to us, and we're worried that we might give an extra buck. I mean, do you make that much money that between the gross and the net, my God, I'm going to have to give that much? I mean, yeah, do you make that much? Well, they take out of your taxes, maybe $75 a week. That would be $7.50 on your tithe. I understand that that could break you. Now, that doesn't mean that money isn't tight. You know, we're living right now in an inflationary economy. Bidenomics. That he wants to blame on everybody else but him. So, yeah, money's tight, but how do you get out of it? Not by worrying about whether you should give an extra five bucks or not. 
Are you with me? I'm just telling you. That's for you to meditate on. It's for you to get a hold of. I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm just laying it out there. So when I made out her budget, the tithe came right off at the top. And when she came home, she said, did you get to work on the budget? I said, yep, got good news for you, great news. I said, I figured out all that you make, and I figured out all your bills. We took the tithe off the top, and you got money to cover everything except food and clothing. She said, well, why is that good news? I said, because the Bible says you don't worry about food and clothing. He takes care of the birds. He'll take care of you. You can believe God for food and clothing. Boy, sure got quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> See, it's not what you can afford. It's what can you receive? What can you believe? And you know what? All her needs were always met. Amen. Amen. She lived right across the street from us. We never had to go out and buy groceries, bail her out, help her out. Nope. All of her needs were met. See, God gave you seed so that you would have an abundance. God's plan is to give and you will increase. Withhold, you'll be in want. Be generous and you'll be prosperous. Water, you'll be watered. Sow and you will reap. Give and it'll be given back to you. This is God's plan. This is his operation. Thank you, Jesus. This is the way he works. You're either going to get on the world's economic system or you're going to get on God's system. There's one thing Satan wants to do. It's steal your seed. Because he knows you'll never increase without seed sowing. Amen. Because if he steals your seed, he'll limit you. He can limit you in your life. If you don't know what the money's for that you have, then you won't know when Satan comes to steal it. That's why it's important to keep a seed list and see what you're believing God for. Always be looking at it. When the extra money comes in, that's what it's for. That's just what you were believing God for. Satan's goal was very simple. Steal your seed. Seed is not for eating. Seed is for next year's harvest. Seed is not for tomorrow. Oh, I need this tomorrow. Well, seed isn't going to grow for tomorrow. You should have been looking down the road long before that. Stop being that little 12-year-old, thinking like a child. Stop thinking like a man. Stop looking down the road and realize there's things coming up here and things I need to look at and plan for and plan for it spiritually. You know, that's what Paul said. When I was a child, I thought like a child, reasoned like a child, but now that I'm a man, I put off childish things. What's the child do? The child sees something they want. They run to daddy. Oh, give me, I got to have this. Okay, get this for me. Well, you're an adult now. There's no more running to daddy. You got to start looking down this road and you got to start believing God for what's coming up and start sowing seed today so that when that comes up, you'll have what you need. Amen. Amen. It's called vision, looking down the road, believing God, sowing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't let Satan steal your seed. There's a lot of people that want to plant seed and turn around and see their harvest. But it's seed, time, and then harvest. There's time in the middle of it. Isn't that right? But the Bible says if I cast my bread on the water, it will come back on every wave. Well, it takes more than one crumb for it to come back on every wave. The Bible says he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. But it doesn't just mean the amount. Also means the amount of times you sow. 
You know, I was believing God for a new car back in 1998. So in 1996, I started sowing seed towards a new vehicle. And I knew exactly, I wanted a Lincoln Town car, and I knew exactly the color that we wanted. We were, we were in agreement on this. And I started sowing seed back in 1995 for it, or 1996. I started sowing seed for it. Well, you don't seed one time. You don't sow, I'm going to sell this $10, and I'm believing God for a Lincoln Town car. Now, if your faith is like out there and like way beyond where I was at, fine. Mine wasn't there. Mine was a bountiful sowing over and over again. And then in 1998, we were blessed with a Lincoln Town car. In fact, it was given to us. It was paid for. It wasn't given to us. It said, here, we got this for you. You just got to make the payments. Payments were made. It was debt free. It was given to us in 1998. Amen. That's right. It was on your birthday. Oh, happy birthday. So if anybody has another Lincoln Town card that you want to give her for her birthday, feel free. <laughs> that was actually, that was one of our favorite cars. And, and actually, it was very hard when it came time to turn it in and, and move on to other stuff. We had it for a number of years and passed, and it actually cried at the dealership having to give the car away. It was, it was a very, very special vehicle. Amen. So when you sow bountifully, you're continually casting your bread upon the water. And therefore, you have so much out there, it starts coming back on every wave. What is it that brings a quick return into our life? Quick obedience. The more you delay on your obedience, the more you'll delay on your return. Quick obedience will bring a quick return. What you sow is what you reap. By your measure of giving, it is measured back to you. If it takes two weeks to figure out whether you should give it or not, it's going to take some time for it to get back to you. Just like when Jesus told his disciples, go into town, you'll see a man with a pitcher in his hand. Follow that man into the house where he goes and then say, the master needs a room. Right? Well, if you lollygag around, you're going to miss the man with the pitcher. And then you're going to finally show up and go, well, I don't know where that man is with the picture. I know God told me he was going to be here. Oh, he was there. You missed him because you were lollygagging around. Took you two weeks to figure out whether you should go into town or not. Huh? Then we wonder why we don't get ahead. We wonder why there's no harvest coming. Well, things start looking good, and we back off from our sowing. And we're trying to live off of last year's harvest, but guess what? Next year's coming. Yeah. And if there's no seed in the ground, last year's harvest is going to run out, and you'll have nothing for next year. Well, you can't live off of last year's faith without sowing fresh seeds into your heart this year. And stop with the, I know that, I've heard that, I know about that, I've heard that before. Yeah, I know what the word says. You're in your head, and you're not planting seeds in your heart. If you don't plant seeds in your heart of faith, you will have no harvest for next year. Malachi chapter 3. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. It says, will a man rob God? You are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Not just tithes, but tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, 
of what? Tithes and offerings. The whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Bring the whole tithe. What's the whole tithe? A tenth. A tenth. Inflation does not affect the tithe. Depressions do not affect the tithe. Recession does not affect the tithe. It's always 10%. Never changes. Some people say, well, I don't tithe, I just give. No, you don't give. You're so far behind on your tithe, you never even got near giving. If you don't tithe, you don't give. Because you can't get into giving and offerings until you first brought in the tithe. Well, you know, bless God, that tithing is the Old Testament. That's not New Testament. You need to read your Bible. The Bible is in the, uh, tithing is in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. It was before the law, it was after the law. It was under all covenants, the, the Adamic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Levitical covenant, and the one that Jesus came to make, it was all in there. Amen. And if you don't know where it's at, ask me, well, pick up my book and read it. That's a better idea. Just pick up my book and read it. You say, well, I bought that book. Well, try reading it. It really has greater effects when you read it. I used to have a brand-new eight-year-old Bible sitting on my bookshelf, just sat there. I felt so holy. But it really didn't do any good until I finally one day got saved and opened it up and started reading it. So he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Then in verse 11, it says... That he would, verse 11, there we go, thank you. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. So what's God trying to do? He's trying to add to you. He's trying to get the devourer out of your life and trying to add to you by opportunities to come your way. He wants to increase our measure of being able to give, and he wants to increase our capacity in receiving a harvest. And he can rain back on us in a greater measure and greater capacity. He wants us to move and to plant seed. That's what he wants. Satan wants to consume our seed before it gets into God's hands. Mm. He wants to devour it before your seed devours him. See, your seed is going to devour him. Your tithe will devour the devil. And he's trying to stop that. Amen. Put faith in God doing his part. I will rebuke. I. He's talking about himself. I will rebuke the devourer for you, and it, it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. The I. Well, do you believe he can do that? Yes. Do you act like he can do that? Yes. Ooh, we got less yeses on that one. What if your washing machine breaks down and you have to cut into your tithe or your offering that you knew God wanted you to give? Let's say it was going to cost you $150 to fix your washing machine. And all you had was $130, so you needed $20. So you take it either out of your tithe or your offering out of your seed to pay for the repair. 
Now, if your mind's renewed, you'd say, no, would never do that. If your mind's not renewed, you say, yeah, I'll do what I need to do. Why? Because you're still stuck in the world system. You're still operating like the world, what the Apostle Paul calls a mere man. You think like everybody else thinks. You're going down the same flow as the world. Hmm? Using our seed money to pay for the repair. Or would you just go an extra week without washing your clothes? What would you do? Well, I can't go without washing my clothes. Wash them by hand and hang them out. See, there's always something. Not something you're always willing to do, but there is always something. The devil wants to steal your seed. See, these are decisions that we have to make. And the decisions you make proves what you believe. See, if you, if, if you step up to a situation, thank you, Jesus. You step up to a situation and the decision comes and you decide based on the world system, that shows what you believe. But if you step up to a situation and you make a decision based on the word of God, no, that's my seed. I'm not touching my seed because I know what that money's for. Are you with me? So we have to decide, is Satan going to steal our seed or not? And he knows if he can steal your seed, he'll show up every single time. Yeah. Every single time he'll show up. He'll bring all kinds of things into your life because he knows you're going to let go of that seed. You are not going to hold on to that seed. And he knows, thank you, Jesus, he knows that if he can get you to let go of it, you can't devour him. As long as he can get your seed, he'll devour you. Do you know that the tithe was designed to be brought in and, and be burned on the altar? Altar, You know, the tithe, if you keep it in your pocket and don't bring it to the Lord, it'll burn everything that it touches. And this is why we never get ahead. The greatest thing we have in our hand is our seed. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 1, hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 6, 1. And working together with him, we urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. Don't let the grace of God be empty, useless, and unemployed in your life. Amen. And we know that you attach to grace through faith. Faith releases the grace. Grace of God is for every single person. The grace of God was there for you before you got saved. When you decided to receive Jesus as Lord of your life, the grace of God came into effect and washed you clean. And it's the same thing as a believer. That grace is still there, but we have to attach to it. You can receive the grace of God. Oh, God, thank you for your grace. But it's vain. It's useless. It's unemployed. It's got nothing to do because we have an attached faith. Amen. Verse 11 and 12. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11 and 12. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Open ourselves wide. You know, we give to you everything that we have. All that we have, 
we give to you. We don't hold back anything from you. Anything the Lord deposits in me and gives to me, I bring it out and give it to you. But just like this, you're not restrained by us. You're restrained in your own affections or in your own inward self. The word of God does not restrain us. The word of God is not there to put you in bondage and to make, make you captive. The word of God is there to bring freedom and liberty into your life. To bring you into a place of living, not in just in liberty, but in liberality. Glory to God. That's true freedom. Amen. God wants to bring you into excess and abundance. But if we're holding back and we're being held back because of the word, we're being held back in our own self. Why? Mostly because we don't want to let go of stuff. You know. And um, give me your phone for a second. Give me your phone. Put it in my hand. Give me your phone. Can't. So you can't give me the phone. Why? Because my hand's full. Now if I release, then it can get filled up. You're trying to get God to fill up your hand but won't let go of what you got. I'll buy you a new phone. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, he's trying so hard to get something to you. Verse 13. Now in a like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. Don't hold back. Open up wide. Open up to what the Spirit of God is saying. He wants to increase you. He wants to stretch you. He wants to enlarge you. God has a plan for your life, and it's called harvest come into your life. That is God's plan for you. Amen. Genesis 15. Let's look at some things over here and, and see some things that we can do. Genesis 15, verses 8 through 11. This is when God was going to make covenants. Abraham, Abram was going to get in on it. The covenant was actually between Father and Jesus, the, the, uh, between the Father and the Word, right? The smoking oven and the flaming torch walked through the pieces of covenant, and Abram got in on it. And the reason Abram got in on it is because later on he was willing to offer up his son. You know, you would think. You know, Abram said... Abraham said to his uh, uh, people that went to the mountain with him, wait here, and I and the lad will return to you. Now, he knew he was going up there because God wanted him to sacrifice him. And we find out later in the book of, uh, uh, of Acts, I believe it was, where Abraham said that he believed that God would even raise Isaac from the dead if he needed to because he was the promise. <coughs> but, you know, Isaac gets up on the altar. And I'm sure Abraham's kind of looking around. Isaac's up on the altar and going, okay, here we go. And he grabs the knife. You think, okay, maybe we can stop it here. No, no, you don't stop it. Grabs the knife, picks up the knife. He's about to plunge it into Isaac. And the angel goes, stop. You know, could you have not waited for the last second? <laughs> Did you ever notice this? You know, it's like. Now I know 
You didn't know before? <laughs> you know, now I know. <laughs> like, so here's Abraham, and they're going to make the, uh, the sacrifice. And it says, and he said, oh, Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? Now, this is Genesis 15. God first showed up to Abram at the end of chapter 11. And Abraham's been going all along from chapter 11 all the way through. Now this is years later in chapter 15. And he says, how may I know? He still don't know. He's got the stars to look at, the sands of the sea. He still don't know. How may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, turtle dove, a young pigeon, and a partridge in a pear tree. Verse 11, 10. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. And the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. The birds of prey came down upon the what? The offering. The birds of prey came to steal the offering. The sacrifice. The, that Abraham was making or bringing to God. And we know the birds of prey is always a symbol of a satanic attack. In Mark chapter 4, he talks about the birds will come and nest in the branches. The birds of prey is always a symbol of Satan that comes to steal your offering or your seed. Verse 11 says, the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses and the Lord rebuked them. No, Abram drove them away. And that when he says he drove them away in the Hebrew, it says with force. Satan comes to steal your offering, steal your seed, but you need to drive him away with force. You need to drive him away. No washing machine, in the name of Jesus, you will work and you will do what you're supposed to do. Now, oh, Pastor, you can't talk to washing machines. Tell that to my washing machine. <laughs> Tell that to my appliances. I spoke to all the appliances in my kitchen when we first got saved and we were broke to the bone and we spoke and laid hands on all of our appliances that were starting to break down. And they lasted for years. You know, when I was an auto mechanic and... Um, I was working on somebody's car, and she was a believer. In fact, we went to church together. And I'm working on their car, and I said, your alternator is bad. And she says, I don't have time for this. And she lays hands on the alternator and says, you start working in the name of Jesus. And my mechanic brain kicks in. You can't do that. You don't understand about all the windings and the copper and the electrical and all this stuff. Well, I never took the machine off of the car. So she lays hands on the alternator and commands it to start working. And I'm looking at the machine, and here comes the needle. It's working. I'm like, well, shut my mouth. <laughs> Disconnected the machine. I said, go right ahead. She said, do I owe you anything? I said, no, you've already paid me a valuable lesson. <laughs> you got to drive off the attack. 
And sometimes he'll come in the form of thoughts and tell you, oh, yeah, you were giving that money away to those people. You were giving your money away to those people. No, you never give your money away. You give your money in, too. Your money leaves your hand but never leaves your life. If you give it away, it's out of your life. Are you with me? Your seed is your connection to the supernatural. Remember when Abram met Melchizedek after the battle with the kings? And Melchizedek brings out the elements of communion. And Abram brought a tithe. Because our seed is our connection to the supernatural covenant that God made with us. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You can buy without money. You thought I forgot about that. You can buy without money. How do you buy without money? Without using your own money. Without using your own money. You can buy without using your own money. You know, we sold our house this year. And um, I made a big mistake. I haven't even told you about this. But I made a big mistake. I'm confessing in front of everybody so you don't scream at me. <laughs> but the mistake was is that when the bills came in, we're thinking money's put on the side to take care of those bills. And that was a big mistake because you know why? I quit sowing seed towards the payment of those bills. And what did I start doing? Using my money. Mm. That was a mistake. And I realized it after two months, and I repented. I did repent. So you can't be mad at me. <laughs> so I did repent of that. And got. you're going to buy my book for me? Thank you. I'll read it. <laughs> and uh, so I did repent of it before the Lord had said, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. I leaned over to looking at my own money. And I should not have been doing that. I should have been looking at you and sowing seeds to you for the things that I needed. Well, why are you sowing seed for what you need when you already have? Well, why should I use what I have? Are you with me? You can buy without even using your own money. You buy with what's been given to you. Yeah, but that money from when you sold the house, that was given to you. So that means nothing else can be given to me? God can't give me anything else. Why am I leaning to this? See, what did Paul say? Whether I abound or whether I'm abased, the secret is I can do all things through Christ by staying focused on him. I step my focus away from him and step my focus to the abundance. And that was the mistake. In fact, let's call it what it is. That was the sin. And that's why I had to repent. Because it was sin. You understand? Okay. So I had to repent from the sin of taking my eyes off of him and looking at what I had. Would I do that if I was abased? No. So why would I do that when I abound? So I've let go of the secret. Started looking at what I had in my hand instead of what God can provide. He's given us seed to meet our needs. Now, I hear people say things like, well, I owe money over here, and we have these bills, so, but we want to go on vacation. Okay? You hear this a lot. 
I owe money to this thing. I have these bills, but I want to go on vacation. So I tell people, then believe God for the money to go on vacation. Oh, no, no, no. How can I use that money to go on vacation if I have these bills? I have to, I've got to pay these bills off. Well, if you don't believe God for the money to go on vacation, that money's never going to show up. So you can forget about paying your bills because it's not going to be there. Well, well, how about if I believe God to pay off my bills? Well, you haven't been. That's why you still have them. Don't shout me down. So why don't you go on vacation on the money that God gives you? Well, we don't have any money to go on vacation, but bless God, we're planting seed and believing God for the money to go on vacation. Welcome to life. That's what we did for years. We had no money to go on vacation, but we sowed seed and believed God for money so that we could go on vacation. Took our kids skiing, took our kids to Yellowstone, took our kids to different places by sowing seed. Are you with me? Well, if you go on vacation, isn't that a little bit irresponsible if you have bills to pay? Nope. Nope. Why? Because you can go on vacation and you still have bills. Right? Whether you go on vacation or not, you still have bills. Well, shouldn't you pay off your bills first? Nope. Nothing's irresponsible about that. But the Bible says, oh, man, no, oh, no, man, nothing. Do you have a mortgage on your house? Yep. Did you pay this month's mortgage payment? Then you don't owe. You don't owe until next month. You, owe, you don't owe nothing this month. You paid it. Huh? Yeah, I know this goes so contrary to what the world wants to tell you. The world wants to tell you, you know, bless God, you got these bills. You got these bills now. Now let's squeeze everything we can and get this bill paid off. And then when you get this bill paid off, then take all this money and put it into this other bill. And then take all this money and pay off this other bill. And in the meantime, something happens that just screws you up totally, wind up in the hospital or whatever, and you don't have any, and you're back in debt again. And the world will never get you out. But that's all they know. They don't know nothing else. That's in the book. The time the Lord told me, and we were dealing with stuff about bills, and we had bills to pay and all this other stuff. And again, wanting to have the money to pay the bill. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit said to me, why don't you believe me for cash flow? Because if you don't have cash flow, it don't matter how many bills you pay off. Once you have a problem, you're back in debt again trying to get this taken. But if you have cash flow, you won't have an issue. So I started sowing seed for cash flow. Did you still have bills? Yep. Did you use that money to pay off your bills? Nope. I was getting cash flow. Well, that don't make any sense. That's because your thoughts aren't where his are. And neither was mine. And this is why he had to tell me to do this. I would never have thought of that myself. So I started getting the cash flow up. 
So when the cash flow is up, and now we got a good cash flow, and we're always sewing into cash flow, now we got a cash flow going. Now we can start believing God for paying off a bill because I don't have to worry about stuff coming up. I got cash flow. I can pay off bills without worrying about falling back into debt again because a refrigerator broke down or because I have to replace a lawnmower or whatever it might be. I don't have to worry about that because we've been getting cash flow. And I would sow seed, 5% increase of cash flow, 10% increase of cash flow, 20% increase of cash flow, and get the flow to flow. <laughs> Are you with me? Amen. If you can get down to believing God for vacation money, it'll have an easier time believing God for the mortgage money. Why is it you can believe God for vacation money and not mortgage money? Pressure. Pressure. Pressure on paying off that mortgage. There's no pressure on going on vacation. Anybody can do vacation. You can do it on one foot. Anybody can do vacation. Gee, God. You know, we're going to give you a vacation. Oh, dear God. No, 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 no. No, we don't. No. And vacation's easy. And you know what really makes vacation easy? You want it. Yeah. And when you want it, you'll believe God tooth and nail, blood, sweat, and tears for what you've got to have. And there's no pressure. No pressure on believing God to go on vacation. So if you can learn how to believe God to go on vacation, you can learn to believe God for your mortgage. We were believing God for a certain uh, investment to come in to pay off uh, a second mortgage that we had on our house. And it was because of the last downturn of the economy and a bunch of other stuff and the, and the COVID garbage and all that stuff. So we were believing God for a certain investment to come in and take care of all that. And I was just sitting before the Lord one day and he said, what are you waiting for? Why don't you just believe to get this taken care of and you don't have to worry about it. And then when the investment comes in, you use it for other stuff. Oh, I thought, I like that. It's a good idea. So we started believing God for, uh, for that. And before the investment ever even showed up, it was paid off. In fact, it was paid off before we even sold the house. So living here, it's not like living here, well, at least you don't have a mortgage. I didn't have a mortgage. Well, living here, at least you don't have an equity line. I didn't have an equity line. Everything was paid off. Are you with me? You can believe God for everything and anything. Whatsoever you desire. Are you with me? Amen. So I'm not telling you to take your mortgage money and your mortgage payment and go on vacation. I'm not telling you that. I didn't say that. I did not even allude to that. I'm telling you to believe God. And there's a lot less pressure to believe God for vacation than there is for mortgage money. Amen. The pressures come when you use your bill money to go on vacation. Yeah. That's when the pressures come. Because guess what? You got to come home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when you don't have what you need to pay your bills, that's pressure. Amen. Amen. So when the money comes in, you're believing God for money to go on vacation, right? Mm -hmm. When that money comes in, don't use it to pay your bills. Yeah. No, you can't. And don't use it for anything else other than what you believe. God. Whatever you believe God for, when that money comes in for that, that's what you use it for. You don't use it for something else. Otherwise, God can't trust you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what you said you believe in me for. We did that before, and you went and blew it someplace else. Huh? Mm -hmm. Amen. Back in, uh, what was it, 2003, 
Yeah, 2003. It was March 2003. And by the end of the month, I needed $16,000 by the end of the month. Okay? And we went on a cruise. And in the cruise, the last day of the cruise, it was a seven-day cruise. By the seventh day, I was bored to tears. So we decided to go play bingo. And uh, nobody had won the jackpot all week long. So we went and played bingo. Cost us $60 to go play bingo. We're <laughs> sitting there playing bingo. I got the full card. I won the jackpot. Nobody else won it. I won $11,111. <laughs> well, bless God. That can't be God. That's gambling. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Stupid. That's just dumb stuff. You know, I'm not running down to the Cherokee Reservation every weekend or whatever that thing is down there at Immokalee and go gambling every week because, bless God, you know, we're the bingo champs. No. This is the first time and the last time I played bingo. But God supplied what we needed. So we came home. We had the money. And then we had some other money that we were believing God for to take care of the 16000 Okay? But... By the end of that month, besides the 16000 something else came up, and we needed 15000 So what do you do? So what's more important, this $16,000 thing or this $15,000 thing? Let me see what's more important. I'll put that money over there. Uh-uh-uh-uh. Big mistake. You have just jumped up into your reasoning and figured out what it is you need to do. And all you're going to do is bury yourself. You were, we were believing God for that 16000 for a particular thing. The 16000 came in. That's what it goes to. You still got another 15000 Fine. We'll start sowing seed towards that. Are you with me? You pay what money came in for and go back to believing God for the next thing. You do not rob Peter to pay Paul. Abram drove away with force, the seed stealers. They come in the way of thoughts. They, they come, they want you to, you know, you start to finagle funds. You rob Peter to pay Paul. But what you need to do is stick with your seed. Take care of what harvest is for, and then you can sow more. Amen. Amen. Many people are in fear of the bottom line. What is the bottom line? After all that comes in and all that goes out, what's left is the bottom line. Well, God called you to be the head and not the tail. He called you to be above and not beneath. So what are you doing on the bottom? Your bottom line should be more than enough. More than enough. That should be your bottom line. Are you headed to the bottom? Then what are you doing at the bottom line? Or are you headed to the top? That's what you ought to be looking at. Keep your eye on the top. Your seed is your control over your future. Step up to the plate, take on God's higher thoughts, and swing. You will hit the ball. Just keep at it, babe. You'll hit it. Don't back off. Don't back up. Don't quit. Again, this goes against a lot of financial counseling. And I'm not a financial counselor. I'll just tell you that. But I do know the word of God, and I do know what God says. I'm just naive enough to believe what the Word of God says. We always said that when we first got saved. I'm just dumb enough to believe God. I'm dumb enough to believe God. 
except for when it came to praying for that alternator. I thought I was the smart guy. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. The more wise you think you are, the more of a fool you will become. Amen? You better get naive and dumb enough just to believe God. Childlike faith. We're believing God according to his word. This is what his word says. This is what I believe, and I'm not going to settle for anything less. Chase off the seed, the seed stealers. Isn't that right? Amen. Stand up. He'll not stop until you stand up to it. Don't have displaced aggression. You know what displaced aggression is? I'm working on this. I'm working on this. Trying to make this happen. And I'm so upset about it. I'm going to take it out on you. <laughs> That's displaced aggression. Now, take it out on the devil. He's your problem. Use your spiritual faith and force and drive away the seed eater. Use your authority. You have it, use it. Satan is like a bird. You know what birds do? You ever see birds eat? They peck, 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 peck. And that's what the devil does. Peck, 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 peck until he's devoured it all. Amen. Takes a little here, takes a little there. It's just a lawnmower. It's just a washing machine. It's just a refrigerator. It's just the air conditioning system. And little by little, bigger, 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 more, 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 peck, peck, peck. And of course, you didn't stop him at the washing machine. Now he's gone all the way into the air conditioner. And what's going to be next? Your car. What's going to be next? Your house, he wants to steal everything from you. And only you can stop him. Amen. Stand God with authority like Abram did. He drove them away. Do it aggressively. Do it continually. Do it persistently. Drive out Satan and don't give him the opportunity. Abram saw them coming. He saw, he didn't see them when they landed on the caucus. He saw them coming. Do you see the devourer coming? Because if you do, you can prepare for his coming and drive them away. They swooped down, but he drove them away. He said, you don't touch this offering. This offering is holy to God. Don't let Satan steal your seed. It is holy to God. God will do more with that seed than fix your washing machine. He'll do more with that seed than fixing your car. He'll increase it and bring harvest back into your life. You need to sow it aggressively. You need to sow it continuously and sow it persistently. And don't let the birds attack your future. Because that's what they've come to attack, your future. A man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he sows. Get in on God's plan. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And his thoughts and ways for you is harvest come. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is not about being saved for 20 years. This is about believing God. Believing what his word says. Taking his word. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your life. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your life. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your life. 
decision after decision after decision after decision is all based on what you believe. Wrong decisions bring you down the wrong road. Right decisions will bring you to the top. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. His word is truth. His word is truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. We bless you. We honor you. Oh, Father, where would we be without the truth of your word working in our life? It's not enough to know that your word is there. Not enough to know that your word is available. But it's taking your word, receiving your word, putting it in our heart, getting it in our mouth, getting it in our choices, getting it in our decisions, that we would truly be the righteous, living, walking by faith. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. There is no word of yours that is void of power, that you, you look for those whose heart is faithful towards you. Father, you said even in the word that when Jesus returns, will he find faith? You're looking for faith. You will always honor faith. That even in the multitude, you said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. Even when there's a multitude crowding in on the streets, you said to the blind man, be it done to you according to your faith. Because faith is what will always be honored. It's a spiritual principle, a spiritual law that you have put into effect, that you've given us the privilege, the right, and the authority to work it into our life. We thank you, Father. We bless you and honor you. Father, I thank you that as we come before you with our giving this morning, whether it be our tithes or whether it be our offerings, our seed sowing, Father, I thank you that we do it by faith. We do it according to your word. We do it, Father, depending on what your word says. We honor you, Father, because you said to, be, to give, and it's given back. You said to bring in the tithe. You said that there's one that scatters. You said to be generous. So we honor you, Father, and we do according to your word. And we thank you so much for the promise of what you said will come back to us. Do you open up the windows of heaven so there's not room enough to re receive the overflow? You said you rebuke the devour. You said that we'll increase all the more. You said that we'll be uh, uh, watered. You said that it'll come back on every wave. Father, I thank you for the promises. Because every time there's a seed sown, there's a harvest that gets returned. And in that harvest, there is seed to sow back into your kingdom. We thank you for it. We honor you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody declare it. Amen. amen, amen. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. If you joined us on live stream or podcast, thanks so much for being with us today. I know that sometimes in the beginning of the service that we do not always say hello to you, and I do apologize to that, but I don't even say hello to everybody in the room all the time because we're just coming out of worship, and it's just like wrapped up in worshiping God and honoring Him. But always know that we do appreciate your being there, and it's a privilege for us and an honor to be able to share the Word of God with you. And I do pray that the Word of God has touched you today the anointing of God has brought increase into your thinking and into your own uh, ways of doing things. That you would look to God, look to his ways, and look to think his thoughts. And you will see that life will raise up, and the standard of life will raise up, and the ways of life will raise up. And you will be blessed, but never stop raising up. Always continue to raise more and more and more. Jesus paid the price so that we can have the abundant life. 
If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net. Click on the giving link, and we thank you in advance for any seed that you sow. And it's always, uh, again, an honor to pray for you. If there's anything you need to pray, have prayer for, let us know, and our prayer team will be on it right away. Believe in God with you for your needs to be met. Amen. Amen.